How many, of you, how many, how many are hungry? I, I got to see how long I'm supposed to go. It depends on how hungry you are. Of course, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, you're thinking I'm talking about lunch, aren't you? I'm a preacher. I'm supposed to spiritualize things. So I'm really talking about how hungry are we for the, for the word of God. Jer- Jeremiah said, your words were found and I did eat them. He said the word of God's like food. John Piper says this, listen to this. He said the word of God is like food. Its role is to feed faith's appetite for God. Isn't that good? One more time. The word of God's like food. Its role is to feed faith's appetite for God. Now what kind of faith? Obviously it's faith that you're in Christ and you've trusted Jesus Christ as your personal savior. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians today. And uh, Court's already helped me out here because he said, you'll know it's good if I don't fall asleep. So, so because we're not slow learners, we're fast forgetters, right? We're, I'm going to give you an acronym because Kevin's already, he already told on me last week, he said, I'm the acronym kid. So I, ha- I just have memory pegs. I'm a- I have an a- acronym so that you can remember this. And the reason why is so, that, so because we're fast forgetters, aren't we? And like David, we need to be preaching to ourselves the truths of God all week long, not just Sundays, because God's not a spare tire, is he? We don't just pull him out when there's an emergency or we're in trouble or we need something real bad, my money, God, I'm in trouble, I need, God help me. We treat God and belittle him, we treat him like a spare tire when we do that, don't we? Not that he can't rescue he is. He can rescue, right? The greatest rescue, though, was when Jesus came down and became a man and humbled himself and became obedient and became a servant. And he went even further than that. He died on a cross. And then God gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue should confess, things on earth and things in heaven, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So pull up to the table, like we say, and taste and see that God is good because the result of preaching should be that we've tasted God. He is good. And I don't know about you, but it's not good just to eat one meal a a week. Some of you may fast, but we don't want to fast on God. We want to feast on Him. So it's like we don't want to just taste and see that God is good today because we're hearing the message of the word right now and so we're supposed to taste and see but 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 it helps to have taste buds to enjoy God right so let's pray because that song the chorus that the youth band led us in sounds like that old hymn I need thee oh I need thee every hour I need thee oh bless me now my savior I come to thee. So we don't just come to church, we're coming to the Lord. And guess what? The invitation, we can come to the Lord all the time, not just Sunday only. So can you imagine if we came to the Lord all the time, what the feast would be like, the banquet would be like in this congregation on a Sunday morning? When we've already tasted that the Lord is good. So when we sing, we already are not going, oh yeah, he's good, that's right. No, we've already tasted he's good. And so from our hearts, 
it overflows through our voices, through the things we say and the things we think about. We've already tasted, we've been tasting, we've been feasting on the Lord. So I want to encourage us to, to have a consistent taste for God and to taste him. And the way that happens, and it's increased more and more, is to pray to God, God, give me an appetite for you and, and quicken my taste buds, right? To enjoy you, because I can taste all kinds of things. There's all kinds of things out there to eat, right? There's all kinds of things that seem to taste pretty good, but are they really good? As good as God is good, no. So, God, quicken my taste buds. And when I, and here's what happens. When I hear the word of God, the truth of God, that proclaims how good he is and who he is, my taste buds are quickened and I enjoy tasting the things of the Lord. And so the purpose of God's word, sort of like what John Paper says, is to what? It's like food. Its job, its role is to feed faith's appetite for God. So I pray today your, your faith is fed by the word of God and the truths you hear in it, so that God becomes, like we sing, fill this temple with your glory. What about fill this temple with your glory? Because 1 Corinthians 6 says what? Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, which we have, and we are not our own. We are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body or in your body. So, not only is this the temple of God, but... If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we are the temple of God, a house he's building. We are his. We're his body. He dwells in us. His spirit dwells in us. And so that's the key to having church and being the church and tasting and seeing that God is good and enjoying him. Because that's what we want to do. Don't you want to enjoy God? I don't want to endure God as a Christian. I want to enjoy God. Because he is enjoyable. He says, listen to this in the psalm. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Can you think of anything better than that? Some of you tried it. How many of you would say, like the song we sang, the grace of God? I know the grace of God in my life. You know, grace is getting what we don't deserve. And the life we can live in Christ is a is something we didn't deserve, earn, or merit, right? That's why it's called grace, which is the word for gift. In Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, we know this verse, but you can turn to it if you'd like. It says this, it's by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, so that no one should boast. And then the next verse, this is my life verse. I love this verse. Because I was always struggling as a young man, being a, I was saved when I was eight years old in a Baptist church and under the preaching of God's word. And I started tasting who God was and enjoying him and struggled with trying to find God's will for my life. And I want to please the Lord. I want to do what he wants me to do. And I just was trying to, I just struggled with that. My dad knows. And I'd come to him and go, what would God want me to do? I don't know what I need to do. And, uh, and listen to this verse, because this verse has hope in it. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he planned, listen to this, in advance, that we should walk in them. I, that is so neat. You know what's cool about that? God already knows 
the plan he has for your life and where he wants you to walk in it step by step, moment by moment, every day of the week. He already has the plan. He knows tomorrow what his plan is for you. So when something strikes and happens, we don't need to see, we don't need to say, why, why, why did this happen? We need to say, what now, Lord? What do you want to teach me? What step do you want me to take in my relationship with you because you, you had this happen in my life? What do I need to do right now? It makes all the difference in the world. So he planned it in advance that we would walk in it. Now, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I encourage you, receive the grace of God so that you can have the gift of eternal life. You can have a relationship with God and you can have the life you don't deserve because that's what a Christian is. They've received the grace of God and they have, by a gift from God, the life they don't deserve. Right? Amen? And so, not only do we, we have that grace, that unmerited favor, we have grace, which is sustaining grace, God's strength, to live the life we don't deserve. Isn't that cool? It's not just unmerited favor, grace. That's wonderful. That's a great start. It's the strength and the provision of God's grace, moment by moment, to live the life we don't deserve. That's why it's called a walk in the Bible. And Ephesians mentions the word over and over again, a walk. It's a walk. It's a walk. How many of you walk as exercise? Raise your hand if you walk. You walk pretty consistently. Okay. And they say that walking is probably the best exercise to keep your heart healthy. I mean, you can do all kinds of strenuous stuff, and that's good. And, but walking at a brisk pace consistently is the best exercise for your heart. Is that right? Am I right? Or not? I'm, I'm, I've heard that. I might not be right, but it, I think it is. It won't hurt you, though. Brisk pace. Just don't, just don't get carried away, okay? You know, depend, just listen to your body, you'll know. So walking, consistently. Think about that. Walking. It's, some people would be bored with that. I gotta run. What are you talking about? Walking's for wimps. You're not walking. What's that? You know, some of you like, you know, and you're doing insanity workouts and all this, and you're killing yourself. You know, maybe some of you. I don't know if some of you are or not. But walking, it seems boring, but it's essential for Cardio health. And so there are two kinds of Christians, somebody once said. There are adrenal Christians. You know what those are? You have adrenal system. And when an emergency happens and you need to lift a car off of somebody, all of a sudden, superhuman power happens to people. They actually, adrenaline gland secretes strength, and you all of a sudden can lift something you never could lift before. Adrenal people. It's adrenal. I mean, it's, it happens all at once. Okay? And then you have cardio Christians. You know what cardio is? It's your heart pumping. You awake, court? Like my imitation of a heart? So a heart, it keeps on pumping every moment of every day. Keeps us alive. Blood flowing through our veins. So we need to be, we ain't cardio Christians. We need to all be cardio Christians. If you're a believer, in the Lord Jesus Christ, you just keep walking step by step and following the Lord and his ways and listening to him. Because you know what? So many times we listen to the wrong sort. We listen to ourselves instead of listening to God. Did you realize we do that? We listen to ourselves instead of preaching to ourselves the truths of God's word. We wouldn't have to have preaching, really. I mean, we do it and we teach and we preach and that's good. We need it for the body of Christ. In fact, Ephesians 4 says he gave some to be teachers and preachers and to, to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. But we also, Ephesians says, we speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing in our hearts, making melody in our hearts to the Lord. So we need to 
teach one another, preach to one another the truths of God, but first we need to preach them to ourselves. We need to stop listening to ourselves so much and start preaching the truths of God to ourselves. Think about that. David did it. Listen to this. Why so downcast, O my soul? Who's he talking to? He's talking to himself. Some people think that's weird. You see a person with a Bluetooth phone. You ever done this? They have a Bluetooth in there and they're talking to themselves. You, you think they're talking to yourself. And you, you, in fact, you walk by and you go, huh? And they go, you go, oh, sorry. You're talking to somebody on the phone, but it doesn't look like that. It looks like they're talking to themselves. But this, when you talk to yourselves the truth of God, this is cool. David said, why so downcast, oh, my soul? Put your hope in God. See, he preaches to himself. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. So, Talking to ourselves the truths of God are, is a good thing. So let's preach to ourselves, not just on Sunday, but all the time. Preach yourselves the truths of God. Amen? That's good. So, we, so memorizing the word of God would be a good tool to have to preach yourself the truths of God because that will come up and it comes in your mind. So I'm going to give you an acronym because we're not slow learners. We're fast forgetters. Right? Everybody say, I'm not a slow learner. I'm a fast forgetter. And some of us excel at forgetting a lot more than others. Probably me. They forget things all the time. So here's the acronym for this morning. I'm going to give it to you, and then we're going to go through them one by one. And then we're going to have Ivy Jane Wall's going to come up. For one of the points, this one point, she's going to come share a testimony of what God has shown her at this fall retreat and how God spoke to her life. Okay? And she's going to come share. For the first one is this, out of Ephesians 5, 15, it says, don't be unwise, don't walk as unwise, but walk as wise, for the days are evil. Amen. How many would say, yep, I, could, I would describe days of our life and our world as evil. There's evil going on, right? Not in the church, of course. Sometimes, right? Can evil happen? Yes. We can be used as a tool or we can give in to evil or we can listen to evil. Things that aren't godly, they're not true, and we listen to them, okay? So, don't be unwise. Don't walk as unwise men. Walk as wise, Ephesians 5.15 understanding what the will of the Lord is. For the days are evil, okay? So why do we need to walk wisely? Because the days are what? Evil. That, God describes this world as a, a battlefield, not a playground, right? It's not a playground. This is serious stuff. Because your soul's at stake, right? My soul's at stake. So it's serious. It's a battle going on. So to win the battle, we need to walk wisely. So here's the W, ready? The, the W is walk in the love and light of the Lord. Okay? Walk in the love and light of the Lord. Everybody say that. Walk in the love and light of the Lord. The I is investigate what pleases the Lord and do it. Investigate what pleases the Lord and do it. The S is submit yourselves to those God puts in your life. Submit yourself to those God puts in your life. And the E is equip yourself for lifelong battle. Equip yourself for lifelong battle. Isn't that exciting? Equip yourself for lifelong battle. It's exciting, especially if you're a soldier and you want to serve in God's army. You're excited about going to war. You're not like dreading it. Why? Because you have the captain of the Lord of hosts in you, and he calls you. It's not easy, but it's not a drudgery to go to battle. Why? Because we find out in Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Not be strong, grunt, 
Try to do it yourself. It didn't say that. It says be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So the W is this. Walk in the love and light of the Lord. Think about this. Walk in love. That's like doctrine put to practice, right? Man, Paul preaches all this good stuff. You're seated in the heavenlies and you're blessed with all these spiritual blessings. But God, who is rich in love, quickened you and made you alive in Christ. And now you've got all these blessings. And he tells you all the blessings and riches you have, which are great. But they have an outlet, okay? All that, that God's poured into your life and my life through the riches of his grace and glory, he wants that to be worked out and walked out, right? Because we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works. That's why he, created, that's why he saved us. Why doesn't he, Gary, he didn't save us to let us sit, he saves us to serve, right? And that's why when you see things like, we're going to bless the pastor by remodeling, and guys, people come and serve. They, hopefully, they're serving the Lord with gladness because really, ultimately, service needs to be God-word before it's man-word. But if it's not man-word, it's probably not God-word. If, if we're not serving the Lord and worshiping the Lord and working for Him and by His grace, then then we can't say that we really worship the Lord because it's sort of like the Israelites were known as their, they worship me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, right? They, it's almost like somebody who tells you something you want to hear, but they really don't mean it. You ever, you ever been there? You feel like somebody's telling you something. They really want to hear that, but I don't think they mean it. We call that flattery, don't we? We flatter the Lord on Sunday sometimes. Listen to this. We flatter the Lord with our lips, but our hearts are far from him. Because we don't talk about him the rest of the week or we don't talk to him sometimes unless we have an emergency. I hope that isn't the case this morning, but it could be. But that doesn't have to be the way it is, okay? Because when we walk in the light and the love of God, we can have fellowship with him. First John 1 John 1.7 says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, keeps on cleansing us from all sin. See it? It's like the prayer Johnny Hunt prayed for his family. We went to a men's retreat one time and he said this. This is a great prayer he prayed for his family and I, I would encourage you to pray it for your family and yourself. Keep them close and clean. Think about it. The first one takes care of the second one, really. If, if, you, if you stay close to God, you'll stay clean. You won't want to be dirty. You won't want to wallow in sin. You won't want it to dominate your life. It won't seem as appetizing as it once did. Why? Because God is so good and so glorious and so satisfying it weans me off of the lesser appetites. C.S. Lewis said this, our appetites aren't strong. They're, they're, they're not weak. They're, they're not strong enough. Because our appetites, they aren't, they aren't weak. They're just not strong enough. In other words, he realized that when we have appetites that are so strong for whatever it is, they can only be satisfied by one person, right? Jesus Christ. God the Father. And so God, Jesus was sacrificed. He was, he was suffered on the cross that he might bring us to God. It, that's not, he didn't, he didn't do it just so he could take us to heaven or he could take us to a church. It says what? 
He suffered for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Isn't that cool? That, he's the source. God's the source. He's what it, this morning's all about. So walking in the love of the Lord, and it's right out of Ephesians 5. Look at the first verse there. Let's read it, what it says. The first verse says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So walk in the love and light of the Lord. So if we stay close to God, we will stay clean. We won't want to satisfy ourselves with the temporal things of sin for a moment because sin is satisfying. It is. Moses said, yeah, Moses said, I didn't, I didn't want to compromise my life by just being satisfied with the sins for a season. He wanted to live for something greater than that. So he didn't live for the pleasures of Pharaoh and Egypt. He, sin is satisfying for a season, but it has long-term consequences, doesn't it? And some of you know firsthand, we all know firsthand what that's like. So live in the love and the light of God and that's how we walk wisely, okay? So the first one is walk in the love and light of God. The second one is investigate what? See, we're fast forgetters. Investigate what pleases the Lord and do it, okay? Investigate what pleases the Lord and do it. And that's right out of this verse in verse 10 of chapter 5. Look what it says here. It says, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, that's where we get to investigate. Try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord. First of all, you got to have a desire to please the Lord. I don't know. How many, how many really, I mean, not just raising your hand, flattery. How many say, you know what? I want to please the Lord. I really do. Raise your hand. I want to please the Lord. Because he's worth pleasing, right? I want to do everything I do. This is what's so cool about 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Listen to this. It says, whether you eat or whether you drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. The other way of saying pleasing God is glorify God, right? So drinking orange juice can be to the glory of God this morning. Why? Because I give thanks for it and I thank God for it, right? Food you eat this afternoon when you're hungry and you're going to satisfy it in a minute, you can do it to the glory of God. Why? Because what do we do before we eat our food usually? Why do we pray and bless? We don't bless the food. It don't need to be happy, right? We bless God for the food, right? Because God shares and gives the abundance of who he is. He gives and shares it with us. So food comes from him. Who gives me food for my table? Who cares for all of my needs? Remember that song we sing? It's, it's you. It is you. So when we sit down to eat today, may there be a difference in receiving this food when we just say, God, thank you that you put food on my table. You bless me. God, you are great and you are good. And we receive from your hand what you give us, okay? So discerning what pleases the Lord. Listen to how the message paraphrase says this verse. In verse 10, it says, figure out what, please, what, what will please Christ and then do it. Figure out what will please Christ and do it. How do you figure it out? A good uh, reference, Romans 12, one through two, some of you know this. How do you figure out what the perfect will of God or what God's will is for your life? Because some of you are there, you're like, I want to figure out that. What is the big thing God wants me to do? I want to know, can you just write in the sky for me, God? Well, here's how it happens. First of all, you offer yourself to God. When I was in college at uh, Liberty University, I remember a team came from Korea and they sang and they told us about the ministry of Korea. And I just came into this conviction like, man, I need to be 
ministering to this people. I need to go. I feel like I got to go to Korea. I need to go. And I need to go. So I was like, worried, God, do you want me to go? And like, would you show me? Am I supposed to go? I don't know. And so you know what happened? Somebody told me this. I heard this illustration. It was really freeing. It said, you know what? Just take a blank piece of paper. Your life's like a blank piece of paper. And sign your name to the bottom of it and trust God to fill in the rest. I thought that's really good. How do you please the Lord? First of all, you give your life to the Lord and say, I'm a blank piece of paper, Lord. Fill in the rest. I sign my name to the bottom of it. Romans 12 says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you offer your bodies a living sacrifice, a blank sheet of paper, wholly acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable act of worship. It's reasonable to do that. It's the first step of Christianity. It's not one of the fourth ones. It's the first one. Offer yourselves a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of worship, and be transformed. Don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does it say? So that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Everybody say, God's will is good. God's will is acceptable and God's will is perfect it's custom made for you what because he prepared in advance that you should walk in it so investigate what pleases the Lord and do it key question to that is not God I need you please tell me what you want me to do not just I need you so you'll tell me what I'm supposed to do I need you See, that's all we need. We need him. We got what he wants us to do. He'll show us what he wants us to do. So need the Lord every hour I need thee. Bless me now, my Savior. I come to you. So come to him. We need to come to him moment by moment. And when we know his person, we'll know his plan. He'll show it. He'll reveal it. And we walk in it. Because he's already prepared it when? In advance for us to walk in it. How many like that? He's already got, he already knows what it is. I don't know what it is, but that's okay. He knows, and I know him, so he'll show me what I'm supposed to do. So don't get fretful about it. Like, I'm not going to know, I don't know. There'll be plenty of opportunities, even when you find out the big ones, like, whom do you want me to marry, Lord? What's my vocation supposed to be? Where am I supposed, you know, those are the biggies, right? But guess what? There's plenty more after that, okay? So just trust the Lord, investigate. So the first one is, to walk wisely, we need to, Walk in the love and light of the Lord. The second one is investigate what pleases the Lord and do it. And the third one is, this is we love this word, submit. Obedience. Submitting. We like submitting. Everybody loves going, coming underneath someone, don't you? Don't you just like come under people? It's like, let me get under you. Tell me what you want me to do. Like, right? Children love to say, mom and dad, I'm under your authority. Tell me what you want me to do. <laughs> right? You hear that a lot. You hear that a lot. Why? Because nobody likes, what? We don't like people to rule over us. The children, they didn't want anybody to rule over them, right? We all have that little disease. We, it's called pride because I want to do my thing. I have a better idea of what I need to do right now than everybody else does. Like, here's some things that are interesting. There's things you know about yourself no one else knows about you, but God does, right? There are things you don't know about yourself that other people know about you, but God does, Okay, and there are things that nobody else knows about you and you don't know about you, but God does, right? That's the important thing. God knows things about you that no one else knows, not even you know. That's why I need him every hour I need him. And I need to walk wisely 
by submitting myself to those God puts in my life because they know things about me I don't know about me. They see things about me I don't see about me, right? It's true. They can see things I don't see. That's why Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs, the wisdom literature, and he told his son, listen, son, stay away from this, be warned about that, don't do this. You know, there's the truth about this, okay? Because he wanted him to learn so that he would be a blessing. So submission is just listening under someone else. Obedience, okay? Obedience really is this. It's really about trusting God, isn't it? Because if we believe all the authority that's in my life, all the people God puts in my life are from who? They're from God. Even the government, even the president, even all the presidents I don't like, they're all from God. Because God's in charge. This is his world. It doesn't belong to anybody else. It's his world. He belong, everything is the, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and the people that dwell in it. They're the, it's the Lord's. So he puts those people in our life. And you read Romans 13, it tells us that. They're servants of God to do what he wants them to do. So pray that they will listen to their master, right? Some of us get desperate, we're like, hey, Lord, they're just like missing it here. What, why can't they see it? I see it in them, they can't see it. Like, I need to spend time submitting to those God puts in my life, not worrying about the other people that aren't submitting to those that God put in their life. Because guess what happens when I do that? I'm not, I'm not taking personal responsibility for my walk with the Lord, I'm worried about everybody else's walk. So I know a lot of you have the gift of helps. And you want to help everybody in their walk. Best way you can do that, you walk in the light of the Lord and the love of the Lord and they'll see it and then they'll be convicted. I need to walk like that, right? So investigate what pleases the Lord. Submit to those God puts in your life. Where's that? Listen to this. It's all through Hebrews 5.21 onward. All those passages and relationships, he mentions them all. But to walk by submitting myself to those God's put in my life. The key verse is verse 21. Look at it. It says, submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wow. I didn't know obedience was a worship thing. Submission is a worship thing? I thought it was just between people. It's a God thing. Why? Because he says, out of reverence for Christ. And if you read, children obey your parents in the what? In the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Masters, you know, be good to your, those that are serving under you because you have a master. See the relation to God? It's the horizontal stuff happens because the vertical is right. The focus is when I'm obeying those that God's placed in my life, I'm actually obeying who? God. I, he's in the view every time someone says, I need you to do this. So, man, that would transform relationships and homes, wouldn't it? In business places. When I recognize when I work, I'm working not for my boss. I'm working for the Lord. So he says serve that way, not as pleasing men, but pleasing God. Because it is him who you serve. Wow, that, that's like spiritual and powerful and real. It's real Christian living. And so we need to walk in that step-by-step step, obediently. So submission is simply trusting God by doing what those he placed in your life have asked you to do. So we submit ourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. How many of you ever thought, man, I can worship God by submitting to somebody? And they hear the music of your obedience, right? It worships God. So let me encourage you, make submission a worship thing in that context, not I gotta do this. 
I get to do this, right? We say that around here. Like, oh, I gotta go, oh, I gotta go move chairs again. That's not even in my pastoral. I know it's down the bottom of the job description, but I didn't think I'd have to do chairs. Yep, I get to move chairs, right? I can move chairs to the glory of God. How? By seeing him in it like he's literally the lord's asking me to do this do i do it okay so submit yourselves to those god put in your life i ivy jane come on up here and she's going to share a testimony about the retreat they just had they talked about this issue of control and who has control of your life and how to submit to those that god puts in your life okay so it so it um, the fall retreat, we did a bunch of fun and stuff, but a lot of the things that we did was we talked about control, and yeah, we talked about control. And we, I can't read it. <laughs> um, when we did, when we went back to the dorms last night, Miss um, Sarah made us talk about a lot of the stuffs that we learned, and I, I am um, said. We were supposed to come up with one word that described the fall retreat, and mine was eye-opening. And just because I realize how much, like, sometimes we disrespect our parents or think how how they're like how the rules that they give us are stupid, and how we need to more like honor them, and that they're there for your good, not for your like I don't know, not just to, like make you feel bad. Thank you, Ivy Jane. And here it is. I know you know if you're a Christian, you've quoted this verse to your children many times, but we often forget the other verses that are after it. Listen to this children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Sounds like Spock. Live long and prosper. <laughs> Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Been guilty of that one. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says it this way. Submit to those. Obey those that have the rule over you and submit to them. For they watch for your soul. See the connection vertically? I watch for your soul as those that must give an account. So the pressure is really on those that are over people. You think, man, I've reached it. I get to be the boss now. Nope. You got more pressure now on you than you had before, and you need God more now than you ever did. Why? Because you watch for their soul as those that must give an account to God for it. So do it with joy. Don't be a burden, for that would be of no advantage, the passage says, to you, talking about the person who's submitting or obeying. Isn't that interesting? What did it say in, in six one? It said, for that would, it really says, for your place, for your benefit, because it's the first commandment with the promise that you may live long and prosper. How many of you would like to live as long as God wants you to live? Yeah, you can, you can live as long as God wants you to live if we obey his commandments and submit to those God's put in our life, amen? So submit to those God puts in your life. So the first one is walk in the love and light of the Lord, investigate what pleases the Lord and do it, submit to those God puts in your life, and the last one is equip yourselves for lifelong battle. Be strong in the Lord, verse Chapter 6, verse 10, 
through 18 is the spiritual armor passage we've seen before, but it says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. How many of you think it's a great strategic idea to go into battle with nothing on? Just your street clothes, not nothing, nothing, but just street clothes. You think that'd protect you pretty well? No, 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 you don't need like, need some armor, don't you? Some equipment. And the two big ones, he mentions all kinds of them, but the final thing is, and take the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil one. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. And faith is their shield, amen? So faith in the word of God has a powerful effect in our offensive weapons in, in the battle we face. James 4 says it like this. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That verse has encouraged me many times when I felt like the enemy's attacking me. The first thing I do is I don't go to try to take care of the enemy with my weak weapons. The weapons that we war with aren't weak they are mighty through God to the tearing down of strongholds, okay? And so God gives us spiritual weapons to fight the battle because we need to equip ourselves for lifelong battle because we've been called to a battleground, not a playground, right? We're on a cruise, we're not on a cruise ship, we're on a battleship, right? Sometimes we operate as if we're on a cruise ship and it's a Christian cruise ship. There are Christian singers in it and preaching good stuff, and it's great, and we're cruising, right? That's a good one. That's a good cruise to go on, right? So that's a good illustration. But, but I don't think that's what is pictured here. It's not a cruise ship. It's a battleship, right? Everybody go to your battle stations, right? That's the alarm because we need to walk wisely, not unwisely, because the days are what? Evil, verse 15 says. Yeah, they're evil, and there, the, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities and powers in high places. There's some big stuff going on where we can't even see it. And it makes the difference visibly in the world. It's demonstrated through visible stuff. Fightings and quarreling, strife, wars, all that. And anger, wrath, malice, all those things are produced by a flesh-centered, strength-centered, you-can-do-it mentality, not... What? Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk with wine wherein is success, but be filled with the Spirit. And then you can teach and admonish one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs and sing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Why? Because the Spirit of God is who's working in us. And he works out what pleases him. Amen? So we equip ourselves for lifelong battle. And I was, we were at a memorial service for Flora yesterday, and I thought this was really neat. One of the... Uh, one of the ladies that was eulogizing Flora was talking about being a roommate of hers. She mentioned this poem. Uh, it made me think of this poem, but she mentioned um, about Flora's life and all the things that she remembers, how Flora customized her love for her. In other words, it was just tailor-made for her. She knew how to love her just like she would be loved. But there's a poem by a guy named Alton Maiden, and He's a former defensive lineman for the Fighting Irish, and Lou Holtz, in his books and his talks, he mentions this poem, but it's called The Dash. You guys have probably heard this before, but I wanted to mention it to you. Um, he said this, he saw some gravestones when he was over in Ireland when they were playing Navy, and he saw these gravestones that were old, and he saw the date of birth, and then he saw the date of death, and then right in the middle he saw this dash. 
and it represents the span of their life. And he said this in the poem, listen to this, it ends like this. People may forget your birth and death, but always remember they'll never forget your dash. So people will forget, maybe some people will, they'll forget your birthday. Like I don't remember all the birthdays I'm supposed to remember. And uh, sometimes we remember deaths a lot more because they sting a little bit more. We remember them when somebody passed away. But there's some people you could say right now, what's the date? And you wouldn't remember it because they weren't real close to you. But some of you have close loved ones. You know they're when they died. But they'll, you'll always remember their dash. What influence did they make when they were walking on this earth? You'll remember their dash. What impact did they have on your life? What impact do you and I have on people around us? What is the impact of our dash? Are we walking wisely, not unwisely? Are we alert? Are we recognizing we're in a battle for our souls and the souls of people? Because what does a man give in exchange for his soul, Jesus said? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? We give all kind of things for our soul. We trade it for a real cheap price sometimes and pay the consequence of it. But what does it profit, Jesus said, if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? That wouldn't be smart. That wasn't, that, you wasted your life. It wasn't wise how you spent it. Like, even though you thought you were doing successful stuff, the Bible says success is found in delighting in the law of the Lord. In his word, you meditate day and night, right? Every hour I need thee, Lord. And then you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in the right time. And you'll prosper and you'll be successful as God calls success because your soul is found its rest in the Lord, right? That's what Luther said. Our souls are restless till they find their rest in the Lord. That's the wise way to live. Walk in the light of God's love, stay close and clean, investigate what pleases the Lord and do it. Every time he shows you something to do, and sometimes it's right in front of us and we don't even see it because we're looking to do the big thing all the time. That's out there somewhere, right? We're not content with what little thing God puts right in front of us. And it's, it's in our house. It's right in front of us. It's, it, the opportunity is right there in our home. And we don't see it because we're looking too big. And we don't realize that if you want to be great, you want to be big in God's kingdom, be servant of all. I need that. I miss it sometimes because I'm worried about the big things and I don't see the opportunity to serve the next thing God put right in front of me. It's right there in my house. It's in your house. It's not far away. It's right there. You be faithful in the little things. God will make you ruler over much. But the training starts with the little things, and I need to do that, the little stuff. When you're asked to move a chair, do a chair. Be wise and do it. Walk in the love of the light of the Lord and you know, submit to those God puts you in life. Do it. It may seem, stri- it may seem stupid. It's like, why do I got to do it? No, that's not the right question I ask. What, Lord, what are you going to do? You put it in front of me, I'm going to do it. Thank you, Lord. And you just do it. You walk and you do it with joy because you're not doing it for that person. You're doing it for the Lord ultimately, okay? So what about your dash? Don't waste your life. Your soul is of utmost value. If you're here this morning and you are walking the best you can and you've tried real hard, but you're not relying on the grace of God. You're relying on your grunt and you're relying on what you can do. The invitation is come to Jesus receive rest from him your soul will be restless till it finds its rest in the lord and is he is he in your life are you in christ by the grace of god you're saved by grace through faith so put your faith in jesus 
come to him. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Call upon him. Receive him as your Lord and Savior intentionally this morning. That's the wisest thing you can do before you leave this place today. And the Lord's been speaking to you about it and you've put it off or you've tried to, you've listened to yourself and said, listen to what God's telling you. Listen to him this morning, come to him. And if you're a child of God, you already know Jesus Christ. And right now you, you just need to walk wisely in some areas in your life to please the Lord. All of us, it's right in front of us. God puts it right there. We just need to take the next step and obey the next right thing God's told us to do. And if he's told you to do it and you haven't obeyed it already, then, then just say, Lord, I'm going back to that time. I remember you showed me this is what I need to be doing. I didn't do it. I want to please you. I want to do it now because I recognize in your presence, that's where joy is really found, in obedience, under obedience, under the the people that God placed in your life, and especially under the Lord. That's where true freedom is found. The world will tell you it's found outside of doing what you're told. God says, no, it's found doing what you're told. It's the freedom that gives you real liberty, that you can do what you're supposed to do now, not just what you want to do. And so come under the obedience of the Lord, under his leadership, and you'll truly be free. First of all, you're free from the bondage of sin, that rules your life. Because there's only two people in here. Those that are living for sin and are serving that master or those who say, I'm serving Jesus Christ, the master who he defeated death, sin, and the grave. And he has the answer for it. I'm trusting him and live in freedom. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that it's food and may God, it may it feed our appetite for you. And if someone's here this morning and they just, their, their taste buds just aren't, I don't taste it, God's good. In fact, something's happened in my life and it doesn't taste good at all and I'm blaming God for it and they need to come to you and just say, forgive me, God, that I don't see you as good and that all the things you've done in my life are meant to bring me to the place where I come into a relationship with you and I pray they trust Jesus. Jesus, would you invade their heart right now and draw them to yourself through your spirit? Would you bring them to God and may they be born again into a living hope and they may have their soul found by you. And Lord, thank you that you came to seek and to save that which is lost. So whatever's lost here this morning, may it be found right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for helping us with the grace that you give us to live the life we don't deserve. Would you give us the grace right now to live this life you called us to live? Will we live it in the power of the Holy Spirit who works in us? We receive you, Spirit of God. Would you work through us to work out what pleases you? And may you help us to walk wisely, not foolishly or not as unwise, because the days are evil and we want to walk to please you. Help us to focus every day, moment of our day on pleasing you and walking with you in, in view. Lord, we thank you for doing that in our hearts. Would this message have a rippling effect throughout this week and may it make a difference in our lives. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.